give God a praise tonight? Hallelujah. How many of you are a friend of God? Amen. And uh, glad you're here tonight and glad our live stream family can join us. Amen. And we call each other family and we love all of you watching through live stream as well as here in the sanctuary. So we're glad you're here. Amen. Look around and tell your neighbor, we're just glad you're here. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, are you tired yet? How many of you are looking at a packed week? All right. Amen. Can't wait. Yippee. So we're just thankful you're here tonight and that you're joining us by live stream because you could be doing something else like sleeping. <laughs> Amen. But we're glad you're with us. I want to look tonight for a moment at something God gave me. I just really, uh, really struggled this week for the night's service for tonight just to get what God really wanted. And I just kept Staying before the Lord and crying out to God, say, "Come on, I gotta have something." Hello, and uh, all of a sudden, I am researching some stuff, and I come across, "Are you a Model T?" And then it says, "Or you could be a Duesenberg." So, like, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, "I don't really know that much about cars. What's a Duesenberg?" I knew what a Model T was. But I want to look for a minute at that tonight spiritually because how many of you know we cannot settle? Amen? Say no settling. How many of you want everything that God has for you? How many of you want to be everything God wants you to be? Amen. Paul said it in Philippians 1.21. He said... To live is Christ. To die is gain. So, you know, when we leave this earth, there's a lot better going to be happening. So we have to live as if he's coming back tomorrow. Every day of our lives. But look with me tonight. We're going to settle on one scripture, believe it or not. And it's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25. But I want to look at it in two different versions. I want to look at the Amplified, and I want to look at the complete Jewish Bible. So let's look at this. Do I have it tonight? Yes. All right. Okay. And this is the Amplified. Praise the Lord. All right. And I will turn my hand against you and will thoroughly purge away your dross as with lie and remove all your tin or impurity. Now, how many of you know that sounds pretty serious? How many of you know that that sounds as if God was really mean in business here? He was dealing with some stuff. All right, look with me at the complete Jewish Bible. Just a little bit different, but something I want to bring up here too. But I will also turn my hand against you. 
I will cleanse your impurities as with lye and remove all your alloyed base metal. Now, just the part about lie. How many of you know that's some strong stuff? That'll blind you if it gets in your eyes. Uh, when I was in Korea, one of their most popular dishes was kimchi, which is cabbage with uh, some stuff on it that's so hot it'll burn your whole insides out. But the thing that impressed me was the way they prepared kimchi and grew the kimchi, the cabbage. They would seed the ground, and then because winters were so cold in Korea, they would put lye over the cabbage patch. I thought, wow. All that went through my mind was, that's pretty strong stuff. And here God is saying to us, I'm going to purge your heart, purge you with lie. Now let's look at this other piece for a minute. The CJB, the, the Complete Jewish Bible, it says that he's going to remove all your alloyed base metal. What is God talking about in this whole scripture I really sensed that God was saying transformation, change. I'm going to do a work in you that will totally transform you. Now, how many of you know lie would do that? How many of you know getting rid of everything that's not godly would do that? And as I looked up the word alloy... I thought that was interesting. How many of you know God is not accidental in his use of words in the word of God? So he says, I will remove all your alloy-based metal. Alloy means mixture of metals. It removes the mixture. God wants to get rid of your mixture. How many of us would say, honestly, I know I got mixture? We're human. But he says, that's what my presence in your life, that's what studying my word and praying and getting closer to me, he says, that's what it does. It removes the mixture, the alloy. I want God to get rid of the mixture. I don't want to be this today and act differently tomorrow unless it's God. I don't want people to think, man, she acts one way and then she acts another. We got to get rid of the mixture. You can't walk around praising God and reading your Bible and shouting hallelujah and then be over here and being harsh and mean to people and you know, watching a lot of garbage, you know, garbage goes in, garbage comes out. We said this morning, whatever you feed on, that's what you become. How many of you get what I'm talking about? 
Now, the Model T, man, that was created back in the early 1900s. The Model T sold for $950. You can get a brand new car for $950. Try doing that today. Not. And the old Model T was often referred to as a hunk of tin. A hunk of tin. So I looked up the word tin in the Hebrew. It means flimsy, not durable. Now the Duesenberg. Wow. I looked that one up. That's a pretty snazzy-looking vehicle. That would probably be considered pretty snazzy today. I looked at brand-new Duesenbergs back in the day, and those were very well-made vehicles, and they were like they would last forever if you kept them and took care of them, and they were made for rough terrain. So they were made to withstand harsh winters. Uh, they were made to take a beating. But man, they were beautiful cars. And of course, they cost a whole lot more. So why would Henry Ford want this hunk of tin? Well, tin. Let's talk about that for a minute. Tin in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for it is badalik, B-A-D-I-L-I-K. And it means a, to cause a separation, to depart or make division. Tin was a very unreliable metal. And if something was made of tin... It would fall apart easily, and it would separate. Are you with me? So, the Model T, now listen to me, because it really wasn't made of tin, but it was known for being a hunk of tin. It was an insulting little phrase that followed it throughout its history. And I mean, when I looked at those, they would come off the assembly line, man, one after the other, all different makes and models of it. Henry Ford was known for saying, you can have it in any color you want as long as it's black. I mean, he just produced these things on the assembly line. He built his car empire on the Model T because it was cheap, it was affordable. It was a hunk of tin. The question I have for us tonight is, do you just want cheap and affordable in God or do you want a Duesenberg quality walk with God? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be refined in the fire and go through some stuff so you can come out really excellent for God and you can go through the fire, but man, you can handle the rough terrain.
Because this life will eat you alive if you're made of tin. Isn't that true? God said to me, many of us feel like we let him down all the time. How many of you sometimes feel like, man, what's the use, God? I keep going around this mountain. I don't seem to get the victory. And I'm always, you know, always letting you down, always disappointing you, God. And we walk around kind of discouraged. Or we go through stuff and we have this mindset, well, I'm saved. God isn't supposed to let this junk happen to me. Right? I know because I used to think like that. Until I said to God, I want to go through the fire because I want to know you. Man, wrong prayer to pray. Because <laughs> you go through some stuff. But what I found was he was right there. He knew what I was experiencing. And he was turning me hopefully into more and more like Christ. How many of you would say, yeah, I'm changed from where I was to where I am? That's a miracle, Pastor Cheryl. It is a miracle. We, every one of us, every one of us watching by live stream, every one of us is a miracle. Because once Jesus gets in there, he takes a hunk of tin and he puts his little fire to it. And we're walking around sweating all the time. And finally, out comes that finished product every so often. And we're like, wow, this, I'm doing pretty good. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be a hunk of tin. A lot of times Christians allow their lives to be a hunk of tin because they're broken. Broken. How many of you know a lot of broken people in the church? We don't have to go out there and run around looking for them. We can come to church and find broken people. In fact, I had somebody say to me one day, how come people in church are like that? That's why they're in church. Because in church, at least, we know who they are. We know they can get healing here. We know that the love of Christ can change a life. Thank God they're here. I pray more and more come in and follow Jesus, take him into their heart, and say, yeah, I want to walk with God. Because I need to become a Duesenberg. I'm tired of being an old Model T. That's what a life changed. A life healed. Now I like to call it the process. That's what we go through. We go through this process. You know, we live in a very instant society. We want instant coffee, instant hot chocolate, Instant meals made, 
throw them in the microwave, press the button, and it's instant. I always say if we go to the Burger King or the McDonald's and we got to wait in line, we're having a fit because it's supposed to be instant. But one thing I've found with God, he is not instant very often. I've watched God take 20 years to bring something to pass in my life. And I'm like, Jesus. How many of you say, yep? And then there's times where I pray and it's instant. Not a lot, but sometimes. Because we're in that process. And it's that refiner's fire. Ever been through the fire? Nobody here has ever been through the fire? Look at Some people are putting both hands, both feet up in the air. It gets hot. It gets hot. Have you ever felt like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die. But it's called the process. And the most awesome thing about it is you are headed to becoming that Duesenberg. You're headed to becoming that gorgeous luxury car instead of that hunk of tin. Why did Henry Ford produce that car? He built an empire on it, but it was cheap. Look at your neighbor, say cheap. Say affordable. We sometimes like to try to live our Christian walk cheap and affordable. Uh-oh. We like to be cheap with God. God, I only got 10 bucks in my wallet. I got to give an offering, so I'll give you a buck. God, I know I haven't spent any time with you today, but here's two minutes. Lord, I'll make it up to you, I promise. Or affordable. What can I do to get by? Okay, I can go to church. And God's supposed to be jumping up and down going, Yippee, skippy! They came to church! How many of you hear what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. It's good for you to come to church. We want you to come to church. We want you to watch by live stream and be fed. We want that. But in reality, that's not the whole ball of wax. That's not what's going to make you into a Duesenberg. That's cheap and affordable. Are there times when cheap and affordable are a good thing? Hello? Yeah, when you go to the grocery store, right? It's good to go and get a deal. It's good to go get stuff on sale. It's good. It's okay. You know, uh, we have to turn in our lease car soon. 
And so we went to see one of the dealers, and he says, what are you looking for? And Bishop goes, cheap and affordable. <laughs> and the guy just looks at him, and he says, aren't you a, aren't you a preacher? And Bishop says, yeah. He says, not often they want cheap and affordable. And Bishop says, you don't know this preacher. <laughs> cheap and affordable. I got to get it. You know, it's got to be something that drives. He says, my wife just says, as long as it gets her to where she's got to go, she don't care. It's a car. I ain't planning on living in it. <laughs> Hello? I ain't planning on spending that much time. Just get me where I got to go. When we got married, we had a vehicle that, oh my God, you know, Bishop was very, loved this car, but it was smashed on every side. But it was a junker car that got us where we wanted to go. And we just saved the good car and kept it, you know, my, I had a little uh, Chrysler, was there a little car? I don't know, something little, but I got married to him and I had it. And it was a lease car and he says, I don't want to put miles on it. He goes, we'll just drive the junker. Oh my God. So we were driving around in this thing. It was a, called a deuce and a quarter, 225. I don't know. So we drive around in this thing. And I'll never forget, if you didn't shut the door really hard and slam it, then when he came to a stop at the light, the door would fly open. I would say, honey, you know, really, this does not reflect Jesus. He goes, who cares? He goes, nobody's looking at your car. Hallelujah. I'll never forget, we had a friend with us driving somewhere, and that was it. I'm dating myself, but that was at a time when there were phone booths. And the phone booth could be like, you know, out, outside in a sense where you could pull up next to it and take the phone off the thing and, call, and talk to people. So my friend says, Cheryl, can, can you ask uh, Pastor if we could stop by a phone booth so I can make a quick call? Because there were no cell phones. And so he goes, sure. He pulls the car over, swipes the whole side of the car next to the phone booth and says, go ahead. You don't have to lean out very far. I just was like, oh, my gosh. She goes, I didn't expect him to smash the car. He says, he just don't care. But I didn't want to have a hunk of tin forever. See, we got to look at our lives and say, do I just want cheap and affordable forever? Or do I really want to make something with God? Do I really want to walk this walk with God? Do I want to have him as my pilot and just be cheap and affordable with him? I don't think so. I don't think we want that. But see, back in the Model T days, people would settle. Look at your neighbors, they settle. People would settle for a Model T because they could afford it. They would settle for a hunk of tin. 
Now, that wasn't a bad thing. But if they'd have lived their whole lives just settling. And saints, that's my heart cry tonight, that we as Christians don't settle for an average just get by cheap and affordable relationship with God. That we say, I got to have more. I, you know, when they had the hunk of tin, the Model T, they were saying, well, I just, I want more than a horse and buggy. And they got it. But how many of you know, at some point, if you found driving 45 miles an hour, that was as fast as it would go. How many of you know that after a while, you'd really like to get somewhere within a reasonable amount of time? And maybe if they started to put out a car that drove faster, which they did, then they came out with the Model A. But the reality was, people settled. Are you settling in your relationship with God? Are you settling for being a Model T when God says, God says, God's doing a work in you, and he says, I'm making you into a Duesenberg. And you suddenly begin to say, wow, this hunk of tin stuff ain't me anymore. I need more. I need more word. I want to dig deeper and find out what God's doing. I feel compassionate. I feel my heart hurt when I meet up with somebody and they're hurting. I find I'm almost to tears when I come across a situation and I can make a difference. You're turning into a Duesenberg. You're turning into someone that is more like Jesus. And what you begin to find is, eh, it's not enough. I, I, I can't settle. I got to have more of his word. I got to be surrounded more by people that are hungry for God. I got to give up maybe some relationships. I got to, maybe I got to go take more time to sit in the word. So maybe I can't just sit on the phone for such a long time. Or maybe those games on the, on the phone or on the computer, those aren't as exciting anymore as when I'm reading his word and studying or just sitting in his presence and he's speaking stuff to me. You could be becoming a Duesenberg. Then he says in that scripture, I will turn out my hand. Both interpretations, the Amplified and the CJB, the Complete Jewish Bible, both of them began with, I will take out my hand against you. Now, against sounds pretty intense. How many of you know if someone's against you, you got an issue? And God says, I will turn out my hand. Now, that, when you look it up in the, uh, in, in the Word of God, it means two things. It can be either punishment, or it can mean help and protection. Someone either is doing this, are you with me? Or they're doing this with their hand. How many of you like it better when God's doing this 
I don't want God against me. Anybody here up for trying to let it happen if God's against you? Uh Uh-uh. He says, I will turn out my hand. Now hear this, the word turn. And this is why we know he meant not punishment or he'll use punishment, but turn translates restoration. Restoration. And it translates complete restoration like being born again. Oh. See how when we get the Hebrew interpretation, it changes the whole thing. He says, I will turn my hand against you. I will restore. I'm going to completely restore you. I'm going to make you born again through my hand maybe working against you in some areas. Maybe a little hard knocks. Maybe some punishment and correction. But I am completely restoring you. Wow. See, sounds a little bit unpleasant. How many of you have had some unpleasant experiences in God? You just felt like, I I know it worked, God, but I don't ever want to go through that again. But that Hebrew word, I will turn my hand against you. It is a Hebrew word called shuv, S-H-U-V. Say shuv. It means turning his hand to restore you from a hunk of tin to a Duesenberg. He turns his hand in such a way that it corrects you, it works you, it restores you, and you come out, wow, incredible. You come out, like I said, where you suddenly have a heart for people. For hurting people, where you just could have cared less a year ago, a month ago, 10 years ago, a day ago, suddenly you have this heart and you're like, what's happening? I care. I care now. I care about someone hurting. I care about why did I say that I, that wasn't my heart. I care. I don't want to be like that. Because God says, I'm turning my hand. I'm making you born again. I'm transforming you. I'm renewing you. I'm changing you. I'm refining you. How many of you know that just sounds painful? Every one of those things don't sound like a walk in the park. But it builds you. It builds you spiritually. Your spiritual muscles become firm. You become strong. You can withstand fire now that you couldn't withstand before. You can experience that refiner's fire and be almost glad because you're coming out shining. It's like a love-hate thing. 
because you have determined I won't settle. I'm not settling for a hunk of tin. I want to be a Duesenberg. I want to be able to take rough terrains, but I want to be able to look good. When you look at the Model T, a lot of times you almost start laughing. People that would drive them, it was funny, they'd get out and have to crank it or something. How many of you are glad you don't drive a car like that today? I mean, I'm sure they thought they were all that in a bag of chips, but how many of you are glad you don't have to get out of your car and crank it? Especially when the weather's 10 below. Right? He says, I will turn out my hand. I'm going to use your hard punishments and your hard knocks and the situations you go through, and I'm going to bring you through the fire, and you're going to come out like gold. And you're going to be looking pretty good. And then he says, I will purely purge away. That's what he calls it. I will purely purge purge away in the amplified now listen to what that's called in the hebrew it's called esterop kavar say i want say i want esterop kavar what does that mean to refine impurity in abundance I want to be refined. I want all the impurities out so that I don't have no mixture. So that God looks at me and he says, man, I have done good work here. Esterop Kavar is that refining process. If you've ever watched them refine gold or silver, they put it in a vat and they start melting it down. And as they're, I mean, they turn the heat up. And as it's melting, all the impurities are rising to the top. And then the guy comes with his little metal thing and he skims all the impurities off the top. And then he continues to boil it. And then more impurities come to the top and he skims them off. And that's what God's doing until we finally come up looking good. How many of you have felt the sharp edge of that skimmer? How many of you have felt the hand of God on you like, you better straighten up? How many of you ever had a switch or a whipping from dad? God does that too. That's part of the refining process. He transforms you. Esther up Kavar is that time in your life where he's transforming you. He's making you into what he needs you to be. One thing I've learned being married to Bishop for 34 years coming up, one thing I've learned is how to love, how to love people, how to love. One thing about that man, he will love you into the next world. 
Doesn't mean he's perfect or he doesn't get frustrated. But when I would be ready to say, okay, just cut that person's head and get rid of them. Cut their head off. I don't need this. Aggravation. He'd say, come on, honey. We can do this. We got to love them. They're broken. We're going to love them. We're going to love them into Christ. And, you know, and I would just be like, But it was so interesting because the other day I was talking to, I was counseling somebody and uh, we were talking. I said, well, just right out of my mouth, it says the, the answer is you got to love. I know you want to kill, but you got to love. And they just looked at me and said, how? How do you do this? I said, well, let me tell you, I got 34 years of learning experience. I can really give you a few ideas. See, we have to learn that. Why? Because God will use people in the natural. God used Bishop to train and equip me. But then God in the spirit realm had to take my heart and say, here, let me put my, take my hand out on you. Let me smack you a few times. Let me push and mold and shove you. And let me turn up the heat there so you're really hot and burning and you're just wet, ready to do whatever I need you to do because you just need relief. How many of you been there? That process. But see, I said, God, I'm not settling. I refuse to settle for cheap and affordable. He says, I'm going to reform you. I'm going to purge you. And it sounds painful. And how many of you would say, yeah, at times it is painful. But it's so worth it. Where he says, I will purge away, I will take away the impurities. In the Hebrew, that word is sur, S-U-R. What does that mean? How about this? This is going to make you excited. To bring about events in your life to remove all traces of whatever separates you from him. All in that little verse, Isaiah 125, sir. In other words, to separate all that garbage that keeps you from being close to God, transforming you, all that junk, that events in your life that will separate you from him, he'll cause you to go through some stuff so he can get rid of that junk. Wow. Any of you ever had any events in your life where God was getting rid of some junk? And I know you just feel like, man, God, I really, that really blessed me what you did. But man, could you do it a different way? Right? You can settle for the cheap hunk of tin. You can avoid the refining fires. You can just be a Model T. You really can. Well, how, Dr. Cheryl, how do people do that? They just do the very least they got to do. They come to church on the average. Whatever they got to do to get by in their mind with God. Prayer meetings? What are you, crazy? I got to work. Come and help in evangelism? Oh, you know what, Dr. Cheryl, you understand. Saturday, that's my day. I got to do a bunch of errands. 
Bible study Wednesday nights. I come to church on Sundays, man. Ain't that enough? Are you getting this yet? See, we can always find a reason why we can't do what we're called to do. I was saying to one person a couple years back, we were talking, and this person was telling me how they wanted to get involved and they wanted to do a bunch of stuff in the church. I said, okay, well, you know, how about uh, coming and joining the evangelism team on Saturdays even once a month? Oh, that's my day. I have to do a bunch of running around. Okay. Well, um, we've got women's ministry first Saturday of every month. Oh, yeah, I have to get my sleep. That's the only day I can sleep in. Okay. I said, well, um, you know, what's your day off? Well, you know, sometimes on Mondays, well, why don't you come? And, you know, we got stuff around the building, and you can help out in the office. And uh, Dr. Cheryl, you know, I, sometimes my Mondays are just crazy. I said, how about on Sundays can you stand up and pass a basket and be an usher while you're here? And he just looked at me. I said, I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. You said you wanted to do something for God. Saints, we can always find a reason. Always. But the key is, we can always avoid that fire. See, they're refining fire. It might just be you going out with the evangelism team on a Saturday why would that be a fire? Because if you have a real hard time evangelizing, that could be a real fire for you. Right? A fire that God's just going to set so that it burns away some of those rough edges on you. Your refiner's fire can be anything. Yeah, divorce, death, all that stuff is a real fire. When you go through that stuff, it's hard. In 1990, I went through an incredible fire. I lost my mom, my dad, my baby, and my dog in five weeks, starting in February of 1990. Five weeks following February, I had lost my parents, my dog, and a baby. And yeah, that was a fire. And all I could do to keep my brain sane would be to cuddle up in a fetal position in my chair, my rocking chair in my basement where our office was. And Bishop would be sound asleep some nights. And I would be curled up in a ball. And all I could do was cry. And I'd say, God, I'm afraid to go to sleep because I don't know what's going to go if I wake up. What's next? Yeah, those are fires. I get it. Divorce is fire. Deaths are fire. Loss is fire. But fire can also be the little things. People that just annoy you all the time. And they seem to always be there. <laughs> they seem to be right there when you're trying to say, oh my God, really? Or your neighbor 
who just always has to tell you what you're not doing. Hello? It can be the little fires. Sometimes those are worse than the big fires. But see, listen to me. God is not looking at the situation. God is looking at how you respond to the situation. You cannot control what happens in your life. But you can control the way you respond to what happens in your life. And if he's your pilot and you're a co-pilot, see, a lot of times you see that sign that says God is my co-pilot. No, he's got to be the pilot. We're the co-pilots. And if we really, really, really trust him, then we're ready. And the fire, no matter what, he's with us. He's the pilot. Okay, God. And we find that he takes the plane right through the fire. And you're kind of like, oh, that was so cool. It was cool because he was the pilot and you trusted and you were willing to go through the fire with him. You're not alone. He takes us through. He takes away all the things that separate you from him by taking you through the fire together. You can avoid those fires. You can avoid the refining fire and you can live a cheap and affordable hunk of tin walk with God. You can do it. But I want to tell you, when that enemy comes, you're going to wish you had gone through the esterope kavar. You're going to wish you had gone through the process of having the mixture yanked out, of having anything that separated you from God taken away, you're going to wish that you had allowed God to do what he needed to do so that when the enemy comes, you can go through the fire and come out shining. See, the key is, do you want to just get around in a Model T Or do you want to be God's co-pilot and be transformed driving along with him as your pilot in a Duesenberg? It's really kind of the bottom line God showed me. He says, it's really up to you. It's really up to me. It's the choice we make. Look at your neighbor tonight and say, I want a Duesenberg. I want to be a Duesenberg. Let's watch this clip. It's called Refiner's Fire. You want to know how gold is purified? Turn it's it up. It's ground down, beat down, then it's thrown into a furnace, melted down by a 2,000 degree fire. The heat increases, impurities begin to surface. Things you never saw before, they appear. You scrape away these impurities, and what are you left with? Refined, pure gold. The trials you face as a human being are the furnace. Designed to remove the impurities in us, so the only thing that remains is what was placed at the core of us. God's nature and character. Some of you are in the furnace right now. All you see is the fire. 
All you feel is the heat. Each day feels like a struggle and you want to give up. You want to hit the snooze button. You want to give up on that marriage. You want to quit that job. Take the easy way out. But you weren't created for easy. You were created for victory. Allow what was meant to destroy you. Be the thing that reveals you. That trial is the very thing that is being used to develop your character. The impurities are being removed from your life. Go through the process. Welcome it. When the fires of life are raging, keep going. And always remember, on the other side of pain, on the other side of trial, is your promise. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed this video. We know this is a little different than our normal videos, and that's because we have a very special film coming next. Amen. You weren't created to be a hunk of tin. You were created to be a Duesenberg. Amen? Let's pray tonight. Thank you, Father. Let's begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's begin to pray. Come on, let's begin to pray as if your life depended on it. Just begin to cry out to God. Oh, Father, 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 in the name of Jesus. God, we're thanking you tonight. We're thanking you for the refiner's fire. God, we don't want to settle. We don't want to settle, God, to just be a hunk of tin. Father, we desire, we desire to be made into gold. We desire to be made into what you want us to be. We desire to do and accomplish what you have for our lives. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, if that's you tonight and you want to be all that God's purposed, I want you to just stand right where you're at. Don't stand if you really don't care. If you... And I mean that with my whole heart. If you just want to settle, that's okay. That's your choice. But if you want to be all that God has for you to be. And listen, I admire you for coming out here tonight. Because you didn't have to. I admire if you're watching by live stream tonight. Because there's other things you could do. But all I know is that Jesus wants us to be close to him, in relationship with him, and desires all of our heart. So if that's where you want to go tonight, you want to be more than a hunk of tin, I want you to just lift your hands. Oh, Oh, God. God.
God, we just want what you want for our lives. We want to be, God, everything that you've called us to be. Take us through the fires. God, we know we got to have them, but bring us through. You be the pilot, and we'll be the co-pilots. Lord, we just thank you tonight. We're thanking you because we're better today than we were yesterday. But we want to be all that you purpose for tomorrow. Just begin to tell him. Tell him what you really, really want. Tell him what you really want him to do with your life. Surrender. Surrender whatever you're holding on to. God says some of you are holding on to something or someone. And God says, I've been trying to get that out of their hands. If that's you tonight, just give it up to him. Just say, here, God, here. I'm tired of it taking over my whole mind, my whole focus. Some of you are in need of some healing. You just, right now, your memories are coming back of some hurts and wounds. And God's saying, give them to me. Just close your eyes, look up and say, here, take it. Take the abuse. Take the hurt. Take the junk I've been through. Take, you know, take it. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it to be my focus. Some of you are struggling with drugs, with alcohol. Give it to him tonight. Say, here, Jesus, I, I try as hard as I can, but God, I don't seem to be doing enough or doing good enough, but God, you can do anything. Give it to him tonight. Give it to him. Don't, don't let the enemy come at you saying, oh, you're just going to walk out of here and do it again. No. Shut up, devil. In the name of Jesus. Just give it to him tonight. Give him that, that thing that has your whole focus. That all you can think about all day and all night is this thing, this person, this situation, whatever. Give it to him tonight. Let him use it to make you into the beautiful thing that he wants you to be. Let him be the pilot. Don't give up. Don't settle. Don't settle. God says that some of us, we have sickness in our body and it's because we're holding on to unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness is toward a person or a thing and that thing is eating at us and it's keeping us from having what God wants for us. It's keeping us from becoming what he wants us to be. So forgive tonight. Even if you don't think you, you need to forgive, just say, God, I forgive and name them. I forgive them, God. I forgive them. You know, if you're standing right now and the tears are coming, that's a good thing. Let the tears come. Don't worry about 
Who's going to see me crying? Who cares? God, we're just surrendering all. We want to surrender it all, God. If you're at home watching by live stream, and you're saying, oh my God, Dr. Cheryl, you got your finger right on what I'm going through, then surrender it. That's why God is doing this right now, because he wants you to give it up. Let go. But if I let go, what's going to happen? I don't know, but God knows. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because God never wants to do you harm. He wants to heal you, restore you, redeem you. Father, you know. You know everything we go through. You know everything we are. We're not hiding anything from you, God. So we give it to you tonight. We ask you, Lord, have your way. And Father, we just give you thanks. We thank you tonight. And if you feel like you need to give your heart to Christ tonight, then just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I need to give you my heart. I need you in my life. I need you to take over. So, Lord, this is only the beginning. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of relationship. I want to know you. So come into my heart, Lord, and be Lord, be Lord, be Lord over my life. Change the way I think. Change the way I act. Change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Hallelujah. Come on, can you just love on him tonight? Can you just thank him? Can you just begin to tell him how much you love him? How much you appreciate him? Can you just begin to say, Lord, thanks for making me into a Duesenberg. Thanks, Lord, that I ain't a hunk of tin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everything I go through because you're going to use it for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can you give God a praise tonight? Can you just praise Him? Hallelujah.